Hi, my name is Ali Vanille, coach of the Flyers. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Neskinen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury the flyers, not to praise them. The evil men do lives after them. The good is often turned with their bones. So let it be with A.V. Welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast. The Prognosticators Podcast, the Presidential Podcast, the Pedialyte Podcast. The Bards Podcast. The Bards Podcast. <laughs> I'm Russ Joy on the Twitter at Joy on Broad, joined as always by... On the Twitter. <laughs> joined as always by a man who fancies himself a thespian, Anthony <laughs> Sanfilippo, who you can find on the Twitter... <laughs> And the Instagram at Aunt San Philly. Anthony, welcome to the funeral of the Philadelphia Flyers as they have been buried deep under the ground of the East Division. Yeah, good stuff, Russ. And, and you know, just to kind of give people, why the hell are we doing this? Um, so just- Because I, the I, team I, sucks and there's no reason to- No, no, but why are, why are we being ridiculous with this whole Shakespearean kind of thing? Um, I wrote, uh, I felt like, you know, after after the game against Boston, um, that puts them five points out uh, on Tuesday night, um, that, you know, we're, we're at the end of the season now. I mean, there, there's technically, there's still time to come back from this. I mean, we talked about it on the way out of the building last night, you know the Bruins lose to Washington Thursday and the Flyers beat the Islanders and then beat the Bruins in regulation. They're only a point back at that point. Gee, they're right back in it. Uh, yeah. I mean, but it's so hard to make up five points in 18 games. And then the Bruins have 20. Um, so the Bruins have even more time to, to get it. So this is kind of the end, right? They needed to win that game. Um, and as a result, I mean, I just like, I kind of felt like it needed a poem <laughs> to, to kind of wrap it up after last night. So I wrote a wrote based off of, you know, I bastardized Casey at the bat um, and turned it into a hockey poem um, and put that out as the, as my thoughts on the game for on crossing broad. Um, and, you know, people kind of liked the, liked it. They thought it was fun and, and whatever. And someone suggested that we do the next episode of snow, the goalie in Shakespearean talk. That, of course, um, is uh, Todd Shannon, a longtime listener of the show. Todd Shannon at T Shannon NJ on Twitter. Yeah. Thank you so, for the inspiration, Todd. Yeah. So, so rather than sit here and throw on our British accents for an entire hour, um, why would, not? Can we? Which would drive, know, just... would, people would stop listening. They would, would drive them crazy for us to do it. What, what we came up with instead is we found some famous Shakespearean quotes, some that are exactly as the bard wrote them some we've uh changed uh, for our own benefit um but they are 
you know, they should sound familiar to everyone. Um, they're, they're kind of common Shakespearean phrases. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll go through them and kind of discuss really, you know, what cost the Flyers this season um, and, and see if there's anything to kind of, you know, look forward to as we have, you know, a month of the, this regular season to go that's going to be kind of, you know, after the trade deadline is going to be kind of, uh, kind of wonky because it's going to be a little bit of prospects, a little bit of, um, you know, discussion, who will be back, who won't be back. I mean, it won't really, we won't really be caring so much about the hockey itself other than maybe is Carter Hart getting back on track kind of thing. Um, and it's going to be kind of a weird month for us. Um, but at the same time, uh, since Todd requested it, uh, we'll take it and, and, and run with it. So I know a lot of people right now um, look at this team and, and they're looking for positives. They're looking for negatives. Let me begin with one that isn't even on the list. Oh, boy. There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. We set our own expectations. So, <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you thought that the season was going to be a great one and this, this team was going to compete for a Stanley Cup, but obviously hasn't happened, so the season is bad. But in reality, it isn't bad. It's your perception. It's your preconceived notion. It's your expectations that made it bad. If you thought that this team was going to be dog water, well, then maybe this turns out to be a good season for you. If you're somebody who's been begging and pleading for the core to get broken up for years, maybe you view this as a good thing. Let's get into one of the most important things here. Uh, and it is a question that people have been asking for a couple of weeks now. Do you want to do you want to lead off? Because this is this is your first one. Oh, OK. Yeah. Uh, to sell or not to sell. That is the question. Well, it's kind of a, an obvious thing at this point, right? I mean, unless <laughs> unless uh, something dramatically changes here in the next few days, there's no way you could be a buyer, right? There, like you can't. The trade deadline is less than a week away. It's next Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern. Unless the Flyers somehow go out and in definitive fashion, we're not even talking like, you know, falling behind to nothing and then kind of clawing your way back for overtime points. They would have to win each of the next three games against the Bruins, the Islanders and the Bruins again. No. The and Sabres. then you would. And, huh? No, it's it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I misread that. Yeah. The last last night was the first Bruins, the Islanders, Bruins and Sabres. You have to win all three. And that's the only way that I think if you're Chuck Fletcher, you could be a buyer with one caveat. This goes back to something that we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is if there's a move that can be made that helps you right now and helps you into the future, AKA acquiring, acquiring like a Ryan Ellis who has multiple years left on a contract at just around $6 million per season, then maybe like that's the buy, but you're not going to go out and make a move for like an Ekholm level player who uh, does not have, you know, really term remaining on their deal Short-term fixes don't do it. You're not going to see a Nate Thompson or a Derek Grant kind of move. It makes no sense. Right. Do you, do you see anything to the contrary? Uh, no, I don't. I, I, I think that, you know, I think that there's going to be a combination of things that are done. I don't think this is just a, a, a pure sell-off, right? I mean, I think that there's, I think that Chuck's going to look to, um, to add for the future, uh, but at the same time, try and move a couple of pieces to get, value or to kind of, you know, balance those two together. 
Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, you look at the next three games, you know, the Flyers go Islanders, Bruins, Sabres, and the Bruins go Capitals, Flyers, Capitals. Um, and it's weird. It's funny to think that, you know, as Boston doesn't look good. I mean, let's admit it right now. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're banged up. They don't look great. Um, they're not as good a team as we all thought at the beginning of the season. And if somehow, some way, you know, the Flyers can, can find a way to beat the Islanders on Thursday, by next, by literally, literally by Sunday, they could be ahead of the Bruins in the standings. The Bruins, though, aren't the team that I'm concerned about because I'm not convinced that the Bruins are going to hang on to that spot. Not because I think the Flyers are going to catch them, but because I think the New York Rangers are going to catch them. I think the Ooh. Rangers are playing really good hockey right now. Um, Flyers have some games left against them as well. The Rangers are technically ahead of the Flyers via a tiebreaker at this point. Um, and I, I just, I kind of like the, you know, the way the Rangers are playing. I mean, they blew out the Penguins last night, eight to four. Um, so I think that there's a lot of, uh, there, there's a lot to, to watch with that team as much as there is to watch with the Bruins. So that's why I think it's like, well, I mean, you know, they could come out, it could conceivably come up of the way. The Flyers could still be close to Boston. Yeah, but can they stay close to the Rangers too? And I don't think that they can. So, um, but, I, you know, you look at who's on this roster and say, who could go at the deadline? Um, I look at Scott Lawton uh, as an yeah. unrestricted free agent, and I, I know that kinda, that's going to bother some people because he's been here so long and he's been a decent contributor to this team. He really fits a nice role in the bottom six. Um, I, I just think that if the team had plans on re-signing him, they would have done he it would before. Be signed. He would. The Flyers have a history of signing the guys that, that are going to be pending unrestricted free agents before they get to unrestricted free agency and the guys that they let get to UFA status, they either trade them at the deadline or don't resign them in the off season. Um, there, there is one thing that isn't counter to that, but is it would indicate that something has to happen soon. If you remember a couple of years ago when this team was absolute garbage, um, Michael Roffel was resigned on yeah. March 26th of 2019. So we're still in that general time frame, but we're not fully in that time frame. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it, it, you know, if, if a deal is to happen, you would you would certainly expect it to to happen here in the next week. Right. Otherwise, you're right. Like it doesn't make any sense to have right. him here to play this one out. Right. And speaking of Raffle, I think there's another guy that could be valued around the league as a you know depth winger. You know, because of his versatility, kills yeah. penalties, can can jump in on it, really any line and play any role. I think a, a playoff team might be interested in him. Um, another thing I think that the Flyers... Just, just to give people an idea, Raffle makes $1.6 He's a UFA at the end of the year, as you mentioned, and, and uh, Scott Lawton uh, has a $2.3 million cap hit. So if yep. you're starting to think about like how you clear cap, obviously the, the team believes that like a, uh, Tanner Lasinski could be a player for this team next year. They seem to think that there's a possibility like a, a Wade Allison could, could maybe factor into uh, competition for a bottom six role on this team next season. If, if that's the case, getting rid of 3.9 million in another flat cap year certainly isn't the worst thing in the world. And I'm not entirely sure that the ceiling at this point of especially Raffle, but, but also Lawton is all that much higher than what you're going to see out of one of those two young players, uh, you know, a season from now. Yeah. I, I also think that you could see them uh, move on from uh, Eric Gustafson for next to nothing. I mean, but I think that, I think, you know, a team that's in the play, I look at a team like Minnesota, that's power play is only clicking at 
10.8%, believe it or not. I mean, everybody complains about the Flyers power play. Imagine being in Minnesota where they're scoring one out of every 10 power play goals um, or power play opportunities um, that maybe Augustafson could go there for nothing. I mean, I'm not saying you're not getting any value in return, maybe, you know, a sixth or seventh round draft pick or something, but um, I, I could see that happening. I could also see the Flyers still adding a goalie um, from the se- from the sense of the, like they did uh, two seasons ago when they added Cam Talbot, if you remember, right? And then they were trying to decide between Talbot and Elliott, who was going to come back as the backup goalie to Carter Hart, and they kept Brian Elliott. Um, I, I could see them going and getting a guy, and we know that they talked to Detroit about Jonathan Bernier. I could see that as a possibility, as a guy who you bring bring in now and say, hey, maybe this is a guy that we would consider to be Hart's backup next year. Because I think that I think Brian Elliott's uh, – time in Philadelphia is probably going to be uh, winding up here at the end of this season. So, um, so I can think, I think that's a possibility as well. Um, so I think you're going to see a combination of things. I think Chuck Fletcher is going to both try and add player, a player or two that could help in the future, but also try and move some players. And look, if you can, if there's some way to move term, I don't think that there is at the deadline, but if there is a way to move term, if you can find a way to move JVR or move, um, uh, Gostas Bears Gostas contract. Bear. Yeah, I think then you try it. I mean, but I, but I don't, I don't necessarily think teams are going to comply with that, especially with the flat cap. So, so let me throw this at you. So you mentioned Gustafson and potentially like a Minnesota who's hitting what was a ten point eight percent on the power play. Yeah. If if you're Chuck Fletcher in that situation, so they they've got you know day to day roughly two point six million in cap space. Gustafson makes three. Uh, that's whatever. When you get close to the deadline, wonky things can happen with with the cap, but. If you're Fletcher, is there a chance that if you opt to retain salary that you'll, because you know that the season is effectively a wash anyway, if you retain a higher percentage of that salary, you might be able to get a slightly better draft pick out of Minnesota. Or do you think that like in this case, Minnesota probably isn't going to make that many moves anyway. They don't really care if the flyers take on that or, you know, if they have to do it themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you do. You could, you could, you could play that game too. I mean, you could, you can. The Flyers have the flexibility to maybe keep a little bit of a salary to kind of help a team if necessary, or take on a contract. You, know, you might see, you might see an NBA style trade, right? Where, Ooh. Or, I know, right? I get you excited, but maybe you take on a, a a bad contract that a team wants to get rid of just for the rest of this year, kind of thing. You know, um, just the to, expiring deal contract. Yeah, the expiring deal kind of thing, just to kind of you know, whatever. Um, the problem for the flyers though, is that it's not like they have an abundance of cap space. They're at 4.3. Now I, I cited way back when, like, I think it was Charlie O'Connor did the, um, the cap breakdown that the flyers will end up getting a few million dollars more like right at the deadline. I forget what the, the clause in the CBA was that that leads to that, but they will have a little bit more than that 4 million to play with. I, it works if you can get one of these other teams to take on the the seven million dollar cap hit that JVR brings, right. or the four and a half million that right. that Gossip Spare does. It, it, you're going to have to put things together to make it work, but yeah. I mean, it is it is conceivably possible. So, all right, do we want to go to the next one? Yeah, sure. The, the next the next one's more for Mr. Moran <clears throat> because I think that that's a I think that's worth discussing. But go right ahead. All the leagues a stage, and all the men are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. 
Yeah. So, I mean, Sam Moran's had a really interesting season, right? I mean, and I know a lot of people, a lot of people love Sam Moran. Um, and I don't just mean fans. I mean, we, we know that the team likes him. We know that the, the organization likes him. We know that the, those of us in the media who've had an opportunity to, to talk with him really like the guy. We all we all root for him, right? I mean, because he's such a good kid and everything he's been through and everybody wants him to succeed. And I think what ends up happening, you, know, you look at what he's done this year and he's played forward, he's played defense, he's been up and down, he's been all over the place. And I think that a lot of times people look at it and say, well, this team just hasn't really given him the chance. And he's, he needs to you know, be given a chance and embrace that, you know, to let the team embrace him in that role. Well, he's going to get an opportunity here. He's, you know, he's played some games now and he's going to play out the rest of this season and, and really get his opportunity. But I tell you, I, I, I only hope that he plays well enough that other teams might be interested in Sam Moran down the road because I don't see how any, there's any way he's back with this organization next year. And that's the other thing that's kind of, you know, lost in this whole conversation when you really kind of, you know, talk about, well, you know, he should be playing, he should be a part of this part of this group. And, you know, I I don't know why they haven't given him a chance to this point. You know, he should have been there from day one, blah, 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 blah. And they shouldn't have done the whole forward thing. I get it. Right. I get it. Believe me. But at the same time, what, what, where is Sam Moran next year contract-wise? He's unrestricted, okay? Again, if he was a guy that they thought that they were going to be bringing back, they would have signed him by now. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to have to, you know, play his way onto another roster. He's not going to be part of the Flyers roster in 21-22. Um, if you think you're talking right now, there we go. <laughs> uh, I think if there's like one guy though, that, that we can kind of sit back and, and feel good for this season, it probably is Moran for actually being able to, to make it into the league and, and get some games under his belt. He's had a healthy stretch here, which is, you know, just critical for his own, I think his own mental health and, and you know, to maybe become a reclamation project for another team. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I do have to say that, Listening to Shane Gossespierre talk about him um, after last night's game uh, was refreshing. I will say this. I know that there are people who, who for a long time said that you and I had an agenda because we, we said that Gossespierre had been close to being traded multiple times. He, there were calls fielded for him for a number of years, which is true. It doesn't mean there's an agenda. It's just reporting what's being heard. Um, he's been refreshing. Like I think Gossespierre, if, if nothing else, any success he has this season, I feel good for the guy because of the way that, you know, a season ago, he was in and out of the lineup as the sixth or seventh defenseman. I certainly don't think that he's been the problem defensively. Um, I think that's, we've seen that played out a whole bunch of ways where a number of defensemen on this team have struggled. I think that his um, ability to be honest and forthright about what has been going on with the team has been refreshing to say the least. It's been something that's been needed. It's the kind of, You know, in a a way, I think him being open about things is one of the things that endears him to his teammates and at the same time can really, you know, anger the organization. Um, Something about the buddy cop film that you could have between Gossespierre and Moran where uh, Ghost said yesterday that he pretty much told Moran that he's going to be handling the puck most of the time and that uh, Big Sam is going to uh, handle the muscle stuff. 
I enjoyed that. That was fun. There's a good chance that neither of them are here next year, but I like it for now. It reminds me of like Boban and Tobias Harris. So like maybe, I want maybe, them to have, I want them to have a, a commercial. Like a, a, yeah, like I want them, together. I want them to have like a, like an online, like a digital short. I want it to be like a recurring <laughs> series. I think it'd actually be really funny. Um, it is a shame that like, if you think about it, if Moran doesn't get hurt, and this is like a, a hypothetical has nothing to do with the future, but like, if he doesn't get hurt, it is conceivable that there could have been a path to these two being a, a pairing at the NHL level in the past. And you do kind of wonder like, what would that have looked like if they had been given the opportunity in that awful 18, 19 season. And even last year, if you had that ability stylistically, if Moran were a, a, a faster skater, I think maybe it would have a more promise, but like, those two together, like it is, it is kind of like an odd couple. It's like me and you. Yes. I'm obviously it's... Sam Moran. You're obviously more gossip spirit because I've got okay. the muscles and you know you've got. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. The, that's the exactly lack how of would... uh, defensive zone coverage. That's how I would. So, that's how yeah. I would pen it. Yeah, that's how yeah. I would put it. No, Absolutely. but you're right. I mean, it would it would have been an interesting combination. And and the, the thing that I want to point out is, um, and I I tweeted uh, last week. I put out a, a link to a video. Um, that we did when I worked for the Flyers um, was one of the episodes of Flight Plan where it was in the in the war room where the scouts are talking about Moran. And, um, you know, they, one of the things that they were bullish about is that he's he knows, you know, one of the things I think one of the scouts said was, you know, he he knows what he is. He knows who he is and he knows how to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying that they liked that more about him than Darnell Nurse, who they weren't sure would would be that guy turns out Darnell Nurse turned out to be a pretty good defenseman but um but Moran it was like you know you look at what the way he's fighting back and trying to get back and that determination I think that was one of the things that they when they scouted him that they really liked about him and they really felt that him being you know being able to be that determined type of player that he would grow into the role of being a, a, a really good defenseman in the NHL. Of course, the injuries are what derailed him. Um, it's not that he was not a, a talented enough player. I think that he was always going to be a talented enough player to play in the league, but that when you tear your ACL twice and, and then you have, you know, all these, other, you had a, you had a core muscle injury, which, you know, hurt him for a while. I mean, when you have those things and you have to fight your way back, man, it's, it's just, it's just too. Sometimes it's too much. And if if you're if you're a player who, you know, you're borderline and you're trying to make that next step to be the the NHL caliber, and those things happen to you, I don't see how you can overcome them to to really be a regular in the NHL. So I root for Sam Moran. I hope he gets there. I hope I hope he stays here in the NHL. I'm just pretty darn sure it's not going to be with the Flyers. Move on to our next point. Well, this is so the next one, this is kind of, you know, we're, we're Read rehash, rehashing what's cost this team this league uh, this year. Uh, and it would be back check, back check. Wherefore art thou back check? And really, it, it didn't hurt them yesterday in the game against Boston, per se. But man, how many times are we sitting there watching these defensemen and watching the goalies flounder about and take the blame and the brunt of the blame for the team giving up, you know, 75 goals in March and just be, you know, 27. I think Chuck said it was 27 odd man rushes uh, at his press conference two weeks ago. That number's obviously going up. I don't know what the number is now, but it's certainly over 30. Um, and, you know, just it's just a bad, bad play 
and it's really on the forwards. It's not a it's not a you know systematic thing. It's not a it's not the way they're being coached. They're just I don't know. It's a mental thing, you know, where you you see that the the play is going to start going the other way, and it's like, oh man, here we go again. And then you start to skate, and it's just and in, in that instant where you're you're having that thought in your head, like, oh no, it's happening again. Just taking the time to think those words can be enough to throw you off to not back check the way you need to back. Cause then you might bust your ass to get back. Right. And just not make it. And you're like cruising into the zone in the last second. And all of a sudden you come on camera and it's like, where the hell were you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and we're yelling, why aren't you there? And it's something that could be just as simple as the notion of it happening again, before you start moving your legs costs you. It should. And, and, and the problem with this, this four group is, is they don't, react in the in the moment that they take it they just seem to take that extra second before they react and then they're found behind the play um and that's what's killed them a lot this year a lot let's go to our next one are we doing this one in order are we doing this in order because these are i i think number four we can kind of hold off till the end all right well you numbered them so I just did them as they came. I just did them as they came to mind. You you dictate it. <laughs> you gotta okay. remember, okay. you know. This, I'm the I'm the actor guy, right? That, as they, as they is came. this a dagger which I see before me, the handle toward my hand? Keep going. Come, let me clutch thee and create a self-inflicted wound. All right. Well, so I don't somehow I don't think Macbeth said it that way. Um, he was more of a manly man. Right. <laughs> and in, this is in the moment where he's having a vision and he sees he sees the dagger and he's like, oh, you know, w- w- you know, I, I want and he's trying to it's figure out what's going dagger, on, which I see before me. Yeah, there you go. A little bit more Sean Connery. Hand. Yeah, a little, little Come, Sean Connery. Let me there. clutch thee and create a self-inflicted wound. Now, so the self-inflicted wounds is, is where we bastardize the, the phrase. Um, but it is. I mean, the, the, the flyers cost themselves this season by mistakes of their own doing. Sometimes mistakes are because of the other team. I mean, and, and you, you, you know, people wonder, we, we talk about turnovers, right? Say, oh, sorry, turn the puck over again, turn the puck over again. And there were certainly way too many turnovers. But the NHL has a, a, a little difference that they try and um, create when they talk about turnovers, one of them being giveaways and the other one being takeaways. They're all turnovers, right? No matter how you look at it, but a giveaway is, is an unforced error. Whereas a takeaway is more of a play that, you know, the other team kind of forced you into making that turnover. Um, It is a little bit arbitrary because it's the decisions being made by, you know, statisticians up in a, uh, in the press box in real time. So, you you know, you, you might quibble about, you know, some here and there, but it's overall, I think it's, it's a, it's a fair assessment. And the Flyers do turn the puck over more than any team that I've this this year's team turned the puck over more than any team that I've covered. And I and I covered the worst team in franchise history in 2006, 2007. And I don't remember them turning the puck over this much. I just remember them being bad at hockey. These guys in, in on this team just it's I don't it's they try and be too cute. They try and be too creative. Um, yeah, it's just. It's it's been their downfall, Russ. It's been their downfall this season. 
And it's not like it's a new thing. This hasn't just popped up for the first time this season. This is a thing that has gone on with this team. I think we can say that this, if you were going to say is a systemic problem, uh, this idea of trying to find the perfect pass, the cute final play, the, hey, we have a two-on-one, and instead of occasionally ripping the shot, every goalie, every defenseman, anybody trying to defend the odd man rush knows, nope, they're going to hold, 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 and try to find the back post on a last-second pass. Everybody knows it. I would guarantee that scouting reports from other teams pretty much say that verbatim. So this isn't something that's new. And when you start to question the, the idea of whether or not it's time to consider, you know, making a change to, to make a change in terms of personnel, to make a change in, in, you know, uh, regards to the core. I, I think if nothing else, at this point, these issues have manifested themselves under multiple coaches. And so it's not a, it's not a scenario in which this is a coaching problem. It's not a, this is the system that's being employed. No, this is a thing that top players on this team have done. And when you're a young player, you're going to like inherently emulate your game after some of the vets who are on your team. And when you see the quote unquote selfless play happening time and time again, you're going to then try to fall into that same principle. And what you run the risk of doing is having some of these, you know, questionable decision-making strategies begin to be like instilled in the future generations of this team. So like, if it's me and we're talking about like conceptually, how do you see a real change? It's not by changing the coach. It is by changing the mix of players and really just trying to get some of these bad habits and these like poor decision-making you know, strategies just kind of flushed out of the system. Yeah. But it's going to take, it's going to take a, a, a new approach. Um, and, and it's going to take, uh, it's going to be interesting. Like, I think like, you know, like I've been saying on, on Twitter, I think Chuck's on the clock now. Like, I mean, up till this point, you can kind of understand why he did what he did or didn't do what he didn't do um, mm-hmm. for various reasons. But I think now he's on the clock and, how this team looks in October will be more indicative of the job that he's doing as a general manager than where they are right now. Okay. Um, so that, so that's, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. You know, can you, can you bring in, you know, can you swap out five players from this lineup for five new players and break those habits? Because that's probably that's roughly what you're looking at. I mean, you can't, there's not going to be a huge, huge overhaul where you're going to turn over, you know, twelve players on this roster. It's just not. It's just inconceivable. It's not going to happen. Um, yep. But I think five is is a reasonable expectation. Maybe six. Um, you know, you got four unrestricted free agents that are currently playing, and plus you're going to lose a player to the expansion draft. So that's why I said five. Um, maybe you can find somebody to take on a contract, and you, you can get it to six. But I don't. I don't see it being much more than that. Um, so can you can you flip six players, and and, and make the change necessary? And, and the, you know that's the wait and see part of it. Um, and there's no the goalie plan. You you flip four, at the deadline. <laughs> know, there's right? no chance it happens. But right. Uh, I'm going to skip number six. We'll come back to that one as well. Okay. But number seven, since we're talking about the same thing, beware the Ides of March. 
Well, if they were if they were told to beware, they did a really <laughs> crappy job. <laughs> now, technically, the Ides are just it's just the 15th of the month, right? It's the halfway yeah. point of the month. That's what the Ides of March is. But in all honesty, it was the, the month of March that they've had. I'll tell you, Russ, they've had worse stretches of 18 games and we've seen them. We've seen this mm-hmm. team lose 10 straight, right? I mean, yep. and 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 I I covered a team with the of the Flyers in 2007-2008 that lost 10 in a row at the end of March and into April. Yep. And still made the playoffs and made it all the way to the Eastern Conference <laughs> Finals. So we've seen teams lose more than the Flyers lost in March. They actually won a handful of games in there that were you're like how I don't know how but mm-hmm. overall, just the way they played, I can't think of I can't think of a time that the team played that poorly for that long. And it's just I I think it will go down in history. I mean, obviously they gave up seventy five goals in the month, and that's that's a record, and it's a record because they've never played that many games in a month. But at the same time, even if you played the normal amount of games and you gave up that many goals per game, it would still be a record. I mean, so so that's how yeah. poorly they played. I can't think of a month where where this team was as bad as it was this March in the twenty one years that I've been covering them for sure. And then even going further back than that, I I can't think of one you know maybe in the early 90s when they missed the playoffs four years in a row but even those teams those teams were at least competitive I mean they were battling for a playoff spot up until the final week or so like I don't I don't know this is the this is this was kind of the worst month I've ever seen was it three seasons ago or two seasons ago where they lost 10 in a row and then came back later in the season to win 10 in a row wasn't that three no it was it was it was under Hackstall and like, that's the moment, like, I don't know if, if that's the thing that we have to wait for. I don't know if that's the thing that like people are going to come back to, like the eternal optimists are going to say, well, you know, there was this time and it was this course. So you never know. You can never say never, but it's not going to happen. Right. And so I think the thing that exacerbates this problem, and we talked about this last week is this wasn't a team that came in with really low expectations. It's not a team that came in with just the fan base saying had at you know had a realistic possibility of finishing as one of the top two teams in this east division which was stacked and we knew that from the start it wasn't that it was that the team started so well and yes there were metrics that you know if you had looked at some of the underlying numbers of of this team early in the season you would have thought to yourself you know what they're maybe benefiting more from luck than skill And if this were to play out over the course of a season, you're not going to get as many positive results as you did through the first like 16 or 17 games. Fine. This team though did manage to get those results. And so when they were sitting in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat in this division for them to fall from grace, like they did was beyond a gut punch. And the real issue that they now have is because they were so good or because the results they had initially were so good, that piss poor month of March, despite how bad it was, they're still within striking distance of that fourth playoff spot. Yeah. And that, and that is a problem insofar as like, if you're evaluating this roster or if you're Chuck Fletcher, or if you're one of the higher ups who doesn't want to give up on a season because you've already lost a ton of revenue last season. You lost revenue this season, gate revenue. You lost, obviously, like this is the thing that happened with the end of the heck, the Hextall regime, but like you're losing out on parking, you're losing out on concessions, you're losing out on pro shop purchases. The last thing you want to do, if you're like Dave Scott, 
or Val Camillo or anybody else who's, you know, at the top, Mike Shane, like if, if you're one of these people, you don't want to have a, a trade deadline where it looks like you're giving up on the season because it's going to be even harder to get people in the stands. So like I empathize with them. Like I get why from that perspective, you don't want to gut this team, why you wouldn't want to give off the impression that you're done, especially because for people who are not in tune with what's happening with the team, like, you know, hosts on the flagship station, um, <laughs> they would look at the standings and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, 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 you three points out of a playoff spot and you're, you're going to just give up. Am I, am I, am I wrong here? Am I wrong? That's what's going to happen. It is. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And And it's because they don't, it's because they don't, they don't understand how hard it is. And they're five points out right now. Um, They just don't understand how hard it is to overcome that deficit in hockey. And even if like, here's the other thing, because you mentioned Boston before and I, let me, let me toot, toot, toot. If you remember back before the season, I said, I didn't think that Boston was going to be a powerhouse because I thought that the losses they had on their defensive side were going to be huge. And I looked like an idiot for a long stretch of this season. And I still think that they're going to end up in one of those playoff spots, but I don't think they are a juggernaut. I think like they're a very top heavy team that has excellent scoring potential, but like they, they certainly have their, their own warts. Yeah. Their struggle, their struggle. I, I put on the fact that they lost Tuka Rask. Yeah. I mean, when you give, when you give up a goalie, when you lose a goalie like that for as long as they have, it really shows the warts that are in front of them. Right. And that's, I mean, yeah. we've seen that here this year. If the goaltending mm-hmm. isn't good, then the warts come out. I mean, good goaltending can kind of hide bad defensive play or bad forward play. That's defensive in their own defensive zone. Um, yeah a lot. And, and so Tuca does that. And with him not playing, it's not to say Halak or Vladar, the kids that played his first game last night. Um, Swayman, was that his name? Um, Swayman. That, that they, you know, and he had a decent game at 40 saves, right? I mean, uh, um, it's not to say that they can't do that. Like, like Tuca does. It's just that there's a different, it's when you're that good of a goalie, it's, it's a consistency thing. It's night in, night out. You expect it all the time. And I think that that's, that's what's missing for the Bruins. Um, I can't believe you disrespected Swayman. Oh, okay. Well, I'm jumping up to uh, number 11. Go ahead. Uh, and it said, all that, gl- all that glistens is not gold from the Merchant of Venice. So the question that I'm asking with that is, did what we see last year from these players um, maybe make us think that they're better than they really are. I wish I had gone back to the, to the off season shows and clipped what I said from months ago, but this was a problem that if you remember when I criticized Fletcher for not doing anything about filling that Niskanen void, one of the biggest problems I had was that nothing got done. There were no real changes made to this roster. And I was on a different show. I think it was O&B. And I was on that show in like October, I think. And I brought up this point that like, I don't know how if you lose Niskan and you don't replace him and how you're so sold on so many of these what ifs hitting that like the Nolan Patrick what if hits and the Oscar Lindblom coming back to, you know, full strength and and back to the player he was last year hits. And that you see Phil Myers and Travis Sandheim both take a step forward and it hits. 
And then Ivan Provorov really does solidify himself as the number one who can drag along with him another young player, and it hits. And the Carter Hart is going to be improved in that he's not going to have those awful splits of home versus road, which people seem to have forgotten about from a season ago, and it hits. I was critical of that because I thought it was putting a whole lot of pressure on a whole lot of young kids. And if a few of those, what ifs didn't hit, you had the potential to see what you've seen happen this season. And the crazy part of this is the vets are like the group that I went into the season, not expecting a ton from, because I think we can all agree that like Claude Giroux, while still a solid NHL player is not in his prime at this point that Jake Voracek has passed that prime of his career, that James Van Riemsdyk has passed that prime of his career, though he had a great start to the season. These guys all contributing in the way that they did, like Voracek's almost a point-per-game player. Giroux, I think, has had a really solid season. JVR, we talked about multiple times, has had arguably his best season, and like if there were a time to sell, it would be now. Like Those guys performing well, if some of these young guys had just kept up their form, this team would be in, in the playoff hunt. But so many of them took a step back or at best plateaued. That to me is the thing that ultimately killed this team's chances of, of playoff contention. Yeah. I mean, is there, is there really a player that you look at? And I don't mean, the, I don't mean like the veteran guys, but you know, is there a player that you look at that's, you know, still a 20 something uh, or younger um, and sit there and say, oh man, this guy definitely had a better season in 21 than he did in 2020. And you put up your finger, say one, and I know who you're going to say, you're going to say Joel Farabee. Um, and Farabee certainly has put up 14 goals. He's your leading goal scorer. But keep in mind that he's also not played well over the course of the last few weeks, so much so that he's been benched. He's been moved to the fourth line. Um, his passes are, are really not good right now. Um, he's kind of in a funk too. So I, I, I'll give him credit for growth. I mean, obviously he's becoming a little bit more of a sniper, like, and I think he's going to be a, a really good player in the, in the course of his time in the NHL. Um, but he's even had his struggles this year. So, I mean, he would be the only one other than that who has. Yeah. And the thing about Farabee, like as like a sort you know, quasi avoiding the sophomore slump and like, has he, has he had a down period now? Yes. But like the thing that you have to keep in mind when you think about young players, have they shown the ability to become that next level type of player? Have they shown the ability to go to a place that, that makes them a more reliable contributor going forward? Last year, we saw Travis Konechny take that step. He stepped back. We saw it at least through the first two thirds or so of the season from Joel Farabee. Counterpoint. Have we seen that from Nolan Patrick? Have we seen anything this season that has redeemed his value in the eyes of the coaches or the organization, because Farabee might've struggled here for a couple of weeks. Nolan Patrick hasn't done much of anything for the entirety of the season. We can go back to the, well, he was gone for two years. Totally fair. Remember in the beginning of the season, he didn't want to address anything. And you said that at, at some point, we're going to have to evaluate him based on what he does on the ice. We can give him that leeway initially that he wanted, but at some point you do have to question. He has not been, which is good, he has not been out of the lineup with migraines. We, it's almost as if that whole thing has disappeared, which on a personal level for him, I'm sure is a, you know, a, a relief that he hasn't gotten taken out. It's interesting because like usually a lot of times with migraines, you would still expect them to pop up, but like good, like really good. 
you kind of wonder if maybe Keith Primo in our episode over the summer was onto something, but whatever. I digress. Nolan Patrick hasn't shown anything, anything of real value over a sustained period. There have been a couple of moments. There have been a couple of games where he's looked good. He, you know, he was a contributor in a shootout a few games ago where he actually did score. The skill theoretically is there, but like he hasn't done anything to really prove not even to be the number two overall pick, but like to be a high first round pick that you would really trust in. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm of the mindset now. And maybe, you know, when we talk about, talk about this next week, I know next week we're gonna have a big show. Um, Maybe this is one of the major discussion topics because I'm of the mindset that not only do the flyers are the flyers ready to move on from Nolan Patrick, but I think Nolan Patrick is ready to move on from the flyers. I think he wants a different scene. I think he wants to go somewhere else. Um, and Chuck so we'll Fletcher s- trade him at the deadline. You know, that would it wasn't be his pick. It wasn't his pick. Could, could a Western conference team like we have often theorized and, and talked about he, while Oscar Lindblom was staying local in his battle with cancer and then his, his rehab, he never left the area. Nolan Patrick went back out West. I'm not blaming him. He's young. You would want to be by your family. You'd want to be home. But like, is there a possibility here? Is there potential that like a Western conference team might want to take a flyer on the guy at low cost? He financially is low cost. See what they have, do their own evaluation of him before he would theoretically hit the free agent market. Like, is there a sense in that? I mean, he's cheap. He's affordable. You know, he's playing on a, on a next to nothing contract at this point. So I could sit there and say, yeah, possibly. I mean, that possibility exists. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Flyers are going to just give up on him at a trade deadline. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think maybe that there's more value in trying to trade Nolan Patrick at the draft uh, or right before free agency, you know, or something like that. I think you know, the, when you sit there and say, Hey, here's a former number two overall pick. Um, he's had, you know, a couple of medical issues that have slowed him down a little bit, but you know, Hey, he just got through the last season, you know, healthy and, and, uh, didn't have any problems with this. So, uh, he's shown that he can get back to playing, but we don't have the time to really develop him anymore. Maybe you do, you know, and then it becomes, he has more value. Whereas if you're trying to move on from, from a contract that cheap at the trade deadline, um, I don't know. Uh, maybe you just don't get the return there. Uh, but I, I know we're running out of time and we've got a, a ton more Shakespearean quotes to get to, Russ. So there's a couple that I want to hit, um, kind of like quick hitters. Um, let's see if we can bang through a few of these. Uh, it's from Richard III. A goalie. A goalie. My kingdom for a goalie. You're on mute. Again, you're on mute. You're on mute. Are you trying to go for like a New Yorker, like a Jewish New Yorker there? Like, what was well, that? Do you know Al Pacino? A goalie! Yeah, go Al Pacino ahead. did play Richard III. Okay. With a little bit of a New York You're accent. trying to say that you're Al Pacino. Got it. No, Got I'm it. not. Okay. So, um, no, I, I, I look, <laughs> I, what was the most, I, I didn't think the post game was all that exciting last night uh, after the game, but what was the one thing that made us turn our heads? Oh, that's the Vino quote about, about Carter Hart. <laughs> yes! Without a doubt. Right. And I didn't see many people writing about it, which I thought was also kind of interesting. Um, a little bit strange, but he, he kind of went back to that, uh, that long held kind of like default 
thing about he's a young goaltender playing in a real tough position and he's trying his best. That's not exactly like a uh, ringing endorsement, a, a ringing endorsement of, <laughs> yeah. of, of the player. Yeah. I mean, and so like, if I look back at that game and, and I, um, uh, you know, assessed Carter Hart, I, I don't think that you sit there and say, okay, well, the one goal was empty net. So three goals that he gave up. Um, I don't sit there and say, man, he looked bad on any of those three goals. Um, Cause he really didn't look bad. It's not like you sit there and go, Oh man, Carter, you got to get that one. But, you know, I look at that second goal, especially, um, and maybe the, maybe the breakaway by, or maybe the two on one there at the end. And you sit there and say, a goalie that's on makes those saves and keeps their team in the game. You know what I'm saying? And and maybe that the fact that he's not on, you don't blame him for the goal, but you sit there and go, man, that goalie, you know, if if he was on his game right now. Carter Hart at home last season makes that save. He stops that. He stops that two on one. He stops the shot from the slot by Bergeron. So maybe, and it maybe it changes the, the outcome of the game. And so, so I think that, you know, AV didn't want to criticize him for the way he played because it wasn't that he was poor in net, but he's certainly sitting there going, I need my goalie to make that stop or to make one of those stops and keep us in the game. And he didn't do it. And I think that that's why AV said what he said. Speaking of AV, speaking of the architect of this team. Yeah. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Mm -hmm. From Henry the fourth. And you know, that works for both AV and Chuck Fletcher. I think at this point, Mm -hmm. um, and do I think it's fair to put a lot of the blame on the coach for, for what this team is doing this year? I don't. I, 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 I know that there are fans who want to blame coach, blame the coach, blame the coaches. Coaching staff stinks. Get rid of them. Fire them all. I, I don't go with that. I mean, just a year ago, we were talking about him as the Jack Adams, you know, deserving the Jack Adams Award as the best coach in the NHL. And then in a shortened season after 30 games, fans want to fire him the following season. You can't, you you just can't go from one extreme to the other that quickly. It just doesn't work. But I will say again with AV for next year, if you now have a summer and off season, you know, trade deadline off season, and then going into training camp next fall, and you have a newer, a newish looking team, that you guys have put together that AV working with Chuck Fletcher um, and uh, you know assistant general, Ma- general manager Brent Flair uh, and you guys put this group together and this is what you want to go into your season and then you still have problems like this well then unfortunately the blame has to shift to you because now you know what you made the changes in the in the in the roster you did change the players for once instead of just arbitrarily changing a coach or changing a GM. Uh, and even with those changes, if the things are still mediocre or not good, then you have to start blaming the coaching. So that's why it is heavy. Uh, uh, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown, I think, is perfect for leading into the offseason. Um, oh, let's go to the offseason, shall we? Which one? <laughs> well, I mean, we could we could certainly go with the Sonnet 18, but I, I prefer. Go ahead. I prefer the other one. Which is Richard III also? Oh, now, no. Now is the spring. Now is the spring and summer of our discontent. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. Can I, I mean, this in theory should be a summer where we see some serious turnover with this roster. If, if the flyers go into next season and there aren't at least six different players, like you had mentioned earlier, then all of this, all of this falls on Chuck Fletcher next season. 
if there is little to no roster turnover. There, there is no other person to blame if things go poorly. Flip side, if he doesn't do much roster turnover, tweaks it, makes one or two you know, serious acquisitions that can fundamentally change the, the trajectory of this team, and it works, then he will get all the praise, I think. Now, one of those guys that we've talked about is a guy who recently signed an ELC. And so with that, we can say, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the East, and Cam York is the Sun. <laughs> that from Romeo and Juliet. Um, yeah, and not just Cam York. I mean, I mean, there's other young players that are going to be coming up. I think too. You're going to start to see them play. Um, and but Cam, Cam York. The interesting thing with Cam York is this, Russ. Is where does he fit long term on your defensive in your defensive group? If he's as good as they think he is, does he? Do you play him with Provorov, and then just go with a a, a a different path with the defensive group that you're looking maybe for a second pair defenseman instead of a top pair defenseman? Um, does he replace Provorov? Does Provorov? Whoa! Be- <laughs> whoa! 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 Hold on. I'm just saying. Is that you a can't thing? Just like slip that in. <laughs> Well, I mean, let's put it this way. Could the Flyers look to move on from Ivan Provorov? I mean, uh, you can't rule anything out. Like, what are you doing? No, the only reason I say that is because if you recall in the offseason when they were talking with Winnipeg about Patrick Laine, that the Jets wanted Provorov and ultimately Chuck, you know, shot that down. But it wasn't like an automatic no. It was, I'll get back to you. So, you know, if, if at that time you're sitting there thinking, all right, a potential 40-goal scorer, do I move on from my top defenseman to get that 40-goal, potential 40-goal scorer? And Chuck made the right call. Don't get me wrong. He made the right decision by not making that move because Patrick Laine has not turned out to be what Columbus had hoped he would be. And, and Nine Provorov, goals in 32 games. Yeah, and Provorov will still be, uh, in my mind, a top two defenseman throughout the league. But maybe he's not a one. Maybe he's a Robin, not a Batman, you know? Um, and if that's the case and Cam, Cam York is as good, what do you do? Yeah, I, so it's a good question. I mean, it's a, it's a decision that they have to make, um, you know, looking, looking forward. I mean, if York comes up and plays well and he shows he can play in the NHL and then you have Provorov and then you have Sanheim and then you have Myers, well, who's what? Where do does, where does people well, start spotting? Somebody's got to move, right? That's why I think it's critical you bring in a number one, because if if your goal is to have York on this team next year, which I, maybe it is, it has to be. You they don't you sign simply, the otherwise. You simply cannot repeat what you did this season. You can't. You need somebody that's going to take some pressure off of that top pairing, that then allows you to split up Sanheim and Myers on that second pairing. Now, if conceptually, and I don't know how York and Provorov would fit together. Like, do you, do you see a scenario where you say, all right, whoever this, this, uh, you know, random top two defenseman is preferably a number one, do you pair him with Provorov and have that be a super stacked top pair? Do you move Provorov down to the second pair, then allowing you to have one of Myers or Sanheim on the top and then the other on the second do you consider if York is really that good? Do you then push Phil Myers, who struggled the most, 
down to the third pair, have Cam York with Ivan Provorov on the second pair, have whoever your number one that you try to require is, and have them play with Sanheim on the top pair. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the best way to do it is. I do know that, like, if if the idea here is to go into next season with Provorov as your number one, some rando as your number two, and then have Myers and Sanheim together again on that second pair, this isn't a good, like, this is not a sustainable model. You're going to see a lot of the same issues. Like, I, I think that it was a valiant effort to try to keep the two big dudes together on the second pair. But I think we've seen that, like, the warts that were exposed in the postseason are more easily exploitable, or at least they were once again this season. And that, like, maybe you go to revisit that when the defense is struggling next year. But, like, to go into next season with that, I, I can't envision it. I really can't. It's going to be interesting. To me, to me, I think what they end up doing on the back end is going to be far more interesting than anything else that they do this offseason. Yeah. I, I really do. Uh, final one for me, Rodson, and you can get into promoting uh, the future. Um, this is from Hamlet. The fans doth protest too much, methinks. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there because I, I, I think that Look, it, I understand what it means to be a fan. I understand what it means to be the high of the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. Um, but I think that sometimes it's just misguided. And I just wish that we could have conversations, people. Let's just talk. Let's have conversations. Let's not just throw nonsense out there. So that's just my last little appeal back to you guys. So, yeah. Um, I think that's nice. I think that's what we, I think we should wrap it up there. I think we should too. Yeah, I think it's a good place to wrap it up. Um, and I know you got some stuff you want to say and kind of talk about uh, next week and the like. So so as of, as of right now, we have two massive guests coming on next week. I don't want to announce either of them because I don't want either of them to pull a Mike Keenan. But I will say that uh, he's still trying to figure out the internet. Um, I will say that both of the guests that are coming on next week would go down as two of the biggest guests we've ever had on the show. And, and for those had, of you, and we've had Chris Pronger on the show. Well, well I was going to say, and, and the interesting thing here for those who have listened to the show for a long time, they're going to know that that is not an overhype. Um, the people who might be new to the show go back in the archives, like over the summer, we had Pronger, we had Briere, we had uh, Hitchcock and Baruby, we had Prop, we had Poulin, we had Knubel. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Um, I think these two, I'm still trying to figure out. It all depends on how the interviews themselves play out. They're yeah, we either may, going have, to, to we may have to pre-record one of them. They're either going to combine into the biggest super episode of the show that's ever dropped that people will be talking about for quite some time, or we'll have to split them up into two episodes, which is totally fine because I don't know. Once again, do you do you play a number one and Provorov on the top pair or do you split them up <laughs> and have two very, very solid, maybe not super top lo- top heavy uh, uh, episodes? I don't know. We'll find out. I will say I dropped the ball this week on the giveaway. I said that we were going to announce the giveaway winner uh, on this episode and I screwed up and I didn't aggregate all the names and I don't want to be unfair to the people who actually did submit last week. So I'm going to do that. We will have an announcement by the end of this week. So if you're on Facebook over on uh, facebook.com slash snow, the goalie, if you're on Twitter or Instagram at snow, the goalie, 
and you replied with last week's requested image, which of course was Simone Gagne. Um, you will be, you know, I'm going to make sure that anybody who sent one over is entered to win. I didn't want to do it and only have like the most recent 10 or 15, because then it's not fair, to, especially to the people who were like the first ones to respond. I'm, I'm more about being fair in this than about making it easy. So the giveaways are still up. We have the reverse retro shirts that are going to be given away. We have the gritty eyes that are going to be given away, the headband. And at some point soon, we're going to do the Jake Voracek skate giveaway, um, which is going to be something. I think that's going to, we might have to do the Voracek skate giveaway in conjunction with the super episode. Imagine what those numbers will look like. Humongous big. That's not who it is. Don't make people know, think it's not, that that, yeah, it's it's not, not Briz. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's bigger than Briz. It's definitely Can we say it's bigger, bigger than, than Briz. Well, I, I would say it's bigger than Briz. I'll tell you what it would be. It would be a, it would be a steal to get Briz Galov, but his agent doesn't even want to try. I got to tell you the truth on that. I, I I tried to get Briz Galov for the show, and his agent Rich Winter. His response was, "I'm too busy with current NHL players. I don't have time to try and find wh- where Briz Galov is right now." That was his he's lost in woods. He is lost in woods. <laughs> I couldn't anybody even knows, get his agent to call him for me. If anybody knows where Brisgalov is, reach out to us via DM. We would love to have Ilya Brisgalov on the show. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? That would be tremendous. Be tremendous. All right. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, next week, huge episode. Press Row Show uh, this weekend. Unsure. I have to go get the COVID vaccine. Dose two on Friday. So I'm out Saturday. I think you're going to be there. I'll be there Saturday. If if everything breaks well, if the Flyers somehow put a couple of wins together, we probably will both show up to Sunday. Yep. But that remains to be seen. If not, the next time the team uh, is, is home and around, we'll do press row show. But in the meantime, make sure you follow us over on Twitter at Snow the Goalie, at Ann Philly, at Joy on Broad. Same handles on Instagram. You can find all of those linked in the episode description below. Whatever podcast app you're listening on, you should have the ability to just click on it. It'll redirect you to Twitter or Instagram to follow. And then, of course, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. And I guess we'll save the three five-star reviews for next week. Yes, we'll save all the five-star reviews. Three more? And they're not repeat performers? Well, one of them is. Okay, well, I mean. All right, fine. Let's let's get a five-star review. Because you know what? The people go out of their way (laughs) to go and to make us happy, really make you happy, make you smile by giving five-star reviews. You, you are right. We should reward those fine people by reading their reviews. All right. <clears throat> Let's go with, um, we'll go with this one. MS822, five stars, great hockey podcast. Anthony and Russ are a great combo. Anthony brings realistic and rational perspective, while Russ brings the energy and says what most intelligent fans are thinking. I'd say most fans, but that'd be an insult considering what I see on Twitter daily. Great work, fellas. Thanks, MS822. You know what the heck with it. Chef Sparky, this one's for you. Chef Sparky, five stars. Thank you. I love this show. Thank you, guys. No, thank you, Chef Sparky. That's all he put. It was a one-sentence thing, but he loves our show. So thanks, Chef Sparky. Loves the show. All right. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't done so already, head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. If you don't know how, go find a neighbor, find a cousin, a or niece, a nephew, we, just a ask child, Lee a grandchild. Lee will tell you how to do it. <laughs> Lisi certainly knows how to do five-star reviews. Uh, find somebody. And if you don't have an Apple account and you don't want to set one up, ask like your grandkid, your child, your neighbor, your neighbor's kid, whoever, 
say, Hey, do you mind if I leave a, uh, a five-star review? They're going to say, why would I let you do that? That's just weird. And you'd say, listen, it's the only flyers podcast. And they'll say, Oh, I love the flyers. And then you can collaborate together and you can both sign the review. Okay. We are very close. We're right now at, um, how many is this? We're at 171 five-star ratings on Apple podcasts. We're at 135 five-star reviews. I think we might have to do a giveaway when we get to like 200 five-star ratings or when we get to 200 five-star reviews. I think let's, let's do that. We'll have a big reward for the person who ends up getting us. When we get to 200 five-star reviews, we will do a massive giveaway. What that looks like right now, I don't know, but we're the only Flyers podcast. We're capable of getting great things. Maybe, maybe we can give away the puck from the 2010 Stanley Cup finals that Chris Pronger stole. Oh, I didn't tell you I have that too. No, you I'm serious? I'm, I'm kidding. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much. The fact that you would do that to me at the end of an episode. I'm seething. It's better for us to just get off the call now. Thanks for listening to Snow the Goalie. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll be back next week with a super episode. Talk to you then.